You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2007 Frankfurt Avenue. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. Going to need somebody to read some scripture for us tonight. And the scripture is Romans 11, 13 through 24. Is there a volunteer who would like to read that? Uh, I'm speaking to Gentiles. Inasmuch then as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I glorify my ministry in order to make my own people jealous and must save some of them. For if there are some rejection and the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? If the part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy, and the whole batch is holy, and if the root is holy, then the branches also are holy. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, a wild olive tree, were wrapped in their place to share the fruit of their heavy olive tree, do not break those from the branches. If you do those, remember that it is not you that support the root, but the root is close to you. You will say, branches were broken off so that I may, might be drafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief, but you stand only to faith. So do not become bad, but stand at all. For if God did not spare the natural branches, perhaps he will not spare you. Know then the kindness and the severity of God. Severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness towards you. Providing you continue with his kindness. Otherwise, you also will be cut off. And even those visiting, if they do not persist in unbelief, will be grafted in, for God has the power to graft them in again. For if you've been cut from what is by nature and wild olive tree and grafted, contrary to nature, which they cultivated olive tree, how much more will these natural branches be grafted back into their own olive tree? Let's pray together. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Uh, so at the U.S.-Mexico border, there is a fence that actually slashes through two neighborhoods. And the southern side is Agua Prieta, Mexico. And Douglas, Arizona is on the other side. These are two towns side by side, across their belly, this open wound of separation. Through these metal bars, I could see a memorial to Carlos Lamarin. These faded flowers and this framed picture of the Virgin Mary. Carlos was shot three times in the back for throwing rocks at the border patrol as he tried to escape. I remember my hand going up into this border fence um, and just praying it would shatter into a million shards of red coated steel in the sand. And I found myself praying this way <laughs> at all sorts of borders without meaning to I'll find my hand on the rough stone of the Durham County Jail, on the warm brick of the North Carolina Correction Institute for Women, or the metal doors leading to the Butler Federal Prison. I pressed my palm into 
the wall separating Hebron from Israel. I think I keep reaching out for these boundaries, every wall of separation, with this actually true sort of intention that they might fall apart. Because I am a witness. My body itself announces a new order where that might actually happen. Um, once I was an enemy of God, a Gentile, in my embrace beyond myself, the wall that cut me off from God has been torn down. Um, Paul's epistle to the Romans, we just heard, it, it doesn't use the language of walls and boundaries. Paul prefers this agricultural metaphor. In walking us through reconciling, border-crossing Jews and Gentiles, Paul turns to olive branches. Paul describes people like me, Gentiles, as wild, unknown olive branches that are grafted in, in excess of nature. In excess of nature. Into Israel, into God's covenant story. Not natural, but in excess of nature. And in hearing this, we learn something about who God is, about God's action of the new order of the reign of God's love that is taking place in Jesus Christ, indiscriminately ignoring what the natural world considers the way to get a plentiful harvest. God goes after these unruly, questionable, second-rate olive branches, and he decides to stick them into this cultivated, beautiful olive branch. And these wild branches, they receive all the benefit of being nourished from the same root without ever actually changing their nature. That is a terrible agricultural practice, um, so please do not try that at home. Um, but this is what we discovered. Loving Israel would be natural. That's what's natural to God. Loving Gentiles is beyond nature. Grace, we read in Romans 11, is in excess of nature. It's a phrase that's used to describe what's happening in this divided community of Jews and Gentiles. We hear more about it when Paul addresses Jews and Christians in Galatia. They too want more Jewish practices, practices of observing food laws and circumcision. But instead, instead, Paul gives them a vision for a form of faith that runs alongside each other. It turns out there's actually two ways to God. The natural way, which is being brought under the covenant of Israel, or the unnatural way, a form of faith that doesn't require ethnic, religious markings, but instead a disruption of pagan idolatry and, and all the systems that go with it. That isn't what Paul was expecting. He expected only this plan A for God's people, for God's redemption of the world. For Paul, the idea of conversion of the Gentiles was that the Messiah would come, and then they would be converted to Jews. But Paul tells these astonished hearers of Rome that this isn't how it's going to come to pass. Instead, Jews and Gentiles will live alongside one another, 
Gentiles are already being filled with the Spirit. They're healing the sick, performing miracles. They're already being drawn into the life of Israel. Because those of us who are Gentiles, who by nature of wild olive branch, have been grafted in in excess of nature, we experience an overabundance of God's grace, the kind that flows out. And this grace incorporates us without erasing us. It feeds without subsuming. I think Paul is preparing us, the readers of Romans 2,000 years later, as we're here in the devastation of this rapidly warming planet, to look out for God's work in excess of nature, beyond the way we expect and the way we intend for God to act in the world. The work that we've been given to do now is to be here among olive groves, paying attention to what we did not expect, to see who else is being grafted in alongside of us. Our hope is on this imaginative surprise to see who else God is bringing along, what other strangers, others who, can, who are considered different than nature, contrary to nature, and to show us the way of reconciliation. And then we join up with whatever God's doing there. As Gentile readers, we are to be aware that this is always the way God acts in history. All along, the way God's Spirit is draws us together in community in ways that don't require uniformity, but allow for the breadth of our experiences and genders and sexualities and ethnicities. We live in a country uh, that demands assimilation and erasure. This is the history of European colonialism, the history of Indian boarding school, of xenophobic anti-immigration policies. We are every day surrounded on all sides by the anxieties of whiteness being overwhelmed in this country. And at its best, the church is a living refusal. It is an active protest against the forms of life our political actors cultivate. In that stretch of Arizona desert, uh, it can be deadly if you don't take seriously how bad the heat can get. And it was there that Imelda found herself crossing the desert from her home in Nicaragua all the way up through Central America, through Mexico, and into the United States. In her home country, she'd been beaten by police while protesting government corruption. And once on U.S. soil, she turned herself into border agents and was taken to Eloy, a for-profit detention center run by the company Core Civic. Amelda passed her credible fear interview, which was the only reason her bond was set so low, a mere $12,500. Just about half the bond that's set for other people in for-profit detention. Her crime was legally seeking asylum in the United States. 
Imelda had not spoken to her family in months. Phone calls were too expensive. She was alone and scared, frightened for her future. Imelda only knew a few people in the U.S. None of them had that kind of money. And it was impossible for her to fight her case from behind the walls of the world. The system of immigrant detention at the U.S.-Mexico border, it works within the logic of natural consequences. It assumes that we belong only to natural families. The system of for-profit detention prospers because it makes a bet that we will only come for our own. It makes a bet that we will only come for our own. Here's how it works. A judge sets a bond, that's his job, and he assumes that these people with no connections here, these people who have no family, no biological ties, who are so poor that they just won't be able to pay. And after being locked away long enough, if the food is bad enough, if life is intolerable enough, if they make the cells cold enough at night, the judge surmises that people will give up. They will sign in order of self-deportation. And that will be that. It happens a hundred times a day. Pastor Tina Schleybach visited asylum seekers of Eloy, and it was her job to hold their sacred stories and their tears and their prayers. Amelda was one of these, without family, without connections to anyone, the U.S. Perhaps someone could help Imelda free herself from captivity. And so I received a call from Tina. Is that something that we could do? I looked around my little Mennonite congregation. That looks a lot like this. That is filled with struggling social workers and school teachers. And I just thought there was no way no way we could come up with that kind of money. And so we started to ask others. And slowly, church by church, person by person, the money came in. Twelve churches, countless individuals. We raised enough money, and Imelda was released from Eloy on April 1st, 2020. She prepared her asylum case outside of prison, and is currently in the process of working to receive a card. When I was released, I felt like I was starting a new life, Amelda um, later told me. It was not easy, even after being released. Being detained is a trauma. I often feel traumatized. I feel weak. And I need to take God's hand in the process. Amelda was not ours by family. She was not ours by kinship, or blood, or even nationality. Our love for her was propelled for a love for God in excess of nature. We wanted to call the bluff of the immigration system, of their assumptions of those to whom we belong, and who belongs to us. We came to Imelda because we were like strangers of God, outside the covenant, and against 
in excess of nature, in, in this excess of grace, we become grafted into the people of God. The immigration system assumes natural families, but they forgot about the church. And so Paul uses this language of olive branches to describe grace extended to Gentiles, the same grace that flourishes in the new reign of God. But there's another picture that comes to mind when I think about the wall dividing Jews and Gentiles brought down, of how an excess of nature pulls apart that which separates. That same border wall I told you about between Abba and Douglas, uh, it just stands there in the middle of the neighborhood. I used to walk up and down the sidewalk um, into the desert. And if you walk down far enough, about a mile outside of town, there is this giant gate built into the fence with this huge, like, medieval-looking rock in it. And this is the place where, when the rains are heavy, the, the arroyos ripped a hole through the fence itself. During the monsoon seasons, the water pours in these naturally formed washes, channels of water written into the earth that have no regard for border security. They built this 26-high foot-high steel beam reinforced with rebar seven feet below the earth into concrete moorings, and they were washed away by the rain. An excess of nature toward this border fence of earth. And so these engineers regathered, and they looked at their topographical maps, and they dug deeper, pouring concrete nine feet underground, raising the wall. And do you know what happened the next year? The rain took it out again. <laughs> and so on their third try, they built a gate. The border architects did not plan for that much water, for nature in its excess to tear apart a border, to dis their, disregard their expectations for the way things ought to be. I've seen these things. I'm here because grace and excess of nature swept away the dividing wall between Jews and Gentiles, between me and God. And this is my hope, and it is the hope of all of us who are Gentiles in the church. It is the hope for all of us who long for the reconciling love of God across everything that divides us. An excess of grace brought us into the story of God. And we are held today by holy root. Amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.